Stuttered my brother was handy. Hey, fantasy, inception. We talking touchdowns, receptions, interceptions. They got a band to kick her. We need that correction. Talk mouth, we flexing. How many of y'all you collect? We trying to get that winning record. Fantasy. And we back, and we what back, up, and we back. What it is, hope is what it should be. Welcome to another episode of Fantasy Session. The podcast today is June the 10th, and the culture pushers are back. As always, if you listen uh-huh. to this on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you look listening to us at Show Some Love, hit the subscribe, like, review. Please also do check that. out the website, ffnsession.com, for the latest rankings and the merch. How y'all Fresh. doing, fellas? Feeling great, man. Got a got a special episode lined up for the people, man. I'm ready to get into it. You got the one and only Mike Taglier on today. Yes, sir. The GOAT. Uh-huh. We had one of our we had one of our GOATs on last week. And we having another one on this week, man. So we on the roll, baby. So stay tuned. We ain't yes, stopping. Yes, sir. The brand is alive and strong. Let's get into a little bit of the news before we bring him on. So, uh, Dalvin Cook is threatening to hold out. Mm. Well, whoa, huh? Yes, he is. I mean, it's like, what? so we had, the first year we had Le'Veon Bell. This year we had, or next year we had Melvin Gordon and Zeke. Yeah. And this year we got Dalvin Cook, man. So, it's like, dang, it's like becoming a trend, bro. Like, it's a new running back threatening to hold out every year. And then I think uh, Mixon was threatening to hold out, too. Yep. Um, But... Bottom line is, I think personally that they're going to get that situated, man. They built their whole team around the run game pretty much. I know they have a competent backup, but um, Dalvin Cook was a Pro Bowl running back last year. I just don't see them like not taking care of him. So I think he'll be there. I think he'll be there week one also. That's just something to keep in mind, though. You know, what everybody I think? that's going out and like drafting, like, how do you feel about all the people that's going out and drafting Alexander Madison, like, Super early right now. Um, I don't think they should do that. Like, I think they should. He should go around to where he's been going all summer. Um, definitely don't think you need to reach for a handcuff. Dynasty, he has a little more value because you know, um, Dalvin Cook's probably not going to be there too much. I mean, well, if they sign him, he will. But Madison's a good young backup running back, so he will. I think he'll get an opportunity sometime, but still don't need to reach for him. You see what kind of money he said he won't. Yeah, 13 mil. I just think this is news that you can't use. So, oh, you, know, you can use it. Just, I mean, I mean, you can you use mean? it as leverage. You can use it as leverage, but I just think this should be settled. You quickly. might be you're able to get a panic, a panic Dalvin Cook owner to sell him for cheaper than what his value is. You know what I mean? If you have Madison, you might be able to leverage that, you know, Man. to the Dalvin Cook owner. So you definitely can use Man. it. They just traded away Stefan Diggs, Cook playing next year. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he ain't out there playing. Definitely. Well, they want him to play, of course. It's him that don't want to play. <laughs> he don't want to play. He just like give me get me paid, bro. You see my worth, and they going I feel like they're gonna pay his worth. You can't Go out down the market and get a Dalvin Cook. Madison is good, but he ain't Dalvin Cook. And some news from Hotlanta, the Dirty South. Uh, Hot. Ty Gurley took the physical, and guess what? He passed it with flying colors, so he's on the team, baby. Dirty Bird rising up. How y'all feel Sonny about Ty becomes Gurley? official now, baby. Oh, um, they better was- drop 24 a game or it's for nothing. 
I was always trying to find Todd Gurley wherever I could and redraft this year anyway. Yeah, I have a lot of Todd Gurley, man. I was especially like, a, you know, these startup drafts. I've been able to, able to get him in like the sixth, seventh round, and I feel like that's a perfect spot to get him, even though, you know, he's a one-year deal. Probably not – his body's going to go down after this year because I don't think he'll have another workhorse role like that. Um, but sixth, seventh round, that's that's a great price to pay for me, like for a, a workhorse running back this year. So What about redraft? Well, with redraft with this news, I feel like this up – everybody's stock on the Falcons because just with him in place on the office, it's going to run a little bit smoother. They, so really, everybody's stock probably moves. It. Julio don't go nowhere, but maybe Calvin Ridley move up a little bit more. And I might take Gurley in the fifth. Jump yeah, he out probably there. Gonna be there in the fifth. He's going to be there in the fifth. Not in no probably region, going bro. around the third, fourth round. Probably third. Probably like the middle of the third. 305, I would probably take Ty Gurley right there. Because I'm going running back heavy in redraft. Definitely. And like I said, the one and only, the guest of the show, the reason why we are here, Fantasy Pros on the GOAT, Mike Taglier. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I We just got done recording the uh, 500th Fantasy Pros episode. So it was wow. like a, a special episode for us today. And uh, we did another episode of Fantasy Feud. And... Uh, well, I mean, I'll give you guys a sneak peek. I won again, and this time they, <laughs> they brought in – so they had me do a contest against both Dan Harris and Kyle Yates. So they, wow. they had two minds working as one, and I still beat those guys. But it's a, it actually was a nail-biter, though. It was good. Are you still undefeated on them family, family feud I games? I am. I have not wow. lost yet. I think, I think we're up to like nine different contests, and I haven't lost one yet. So uh, hopefully crazy. we don't have any of you guys on. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. hey, I know Bobby hates do, that too. If you do have one of us on, Carlos never posts the results, so it's okay. <laughs> whatever, man, whatever. <laughs> and congratulations on the 500th episode too, man. Thanks, yes, man. yes. Thanks. Long road well, and 500 yes, sir. more. Well, let me ask sir. you, um, what is one of your sleepers that you're looking for this year that nobody's really talking about? Uh, well, the term sleeper is like really difficult because like obviously in the world we live in today where everything is kind of just available at your fingertips and, and you can find people talking about anybody. So, I mean, I could bring up guys like Deontay Johnson, but you're going to find other people on Twitter talking about someone like him. Uh, obviously, with Ben Roethlisberger coming back, that offense is going to run a lot more plays per game. So they're going to have a lot more pass attempts. Uh, Eric Ebron, the signing of him doesn't really affect me a whole lot because they don't run a whole lot of 12 personnel uh, in the Steelers offense and they're not going to be taking off Juju Smith-Schuster who's going back into the slot, um, they're not going to take him off the field. So um, I'm going to go further down for you guys. I'm going to say that people are overlooking John Ross. I, I don't know mm. why everybody has kind of moved on and given up from him. Uh, T. Higgins was a second-round pick, and I feel like he's being groomed as A.J. Green's replacement in 2021. I don't anticipate him getting anything more than 40, 50 targets this year. So John Ross, if he's on the field in three wide receiver sets, you have A.J. Green, you have Tyler Boyd, you have Joe Mixon. There's a whole lot of talent in that offense. There's a bad defense, and this just reminds me of, you know, you go back to the, the Bucks last year. You have Joe Burrow, a guy that can throw the ball deep. He's not scared to do that. He has an accurate arm. Go look at – if you watch any LSU game from last year, you'll understand why I'm high on Joe Burrow this year. Uh, but John Ross, I do think he starts in three wide receiver sets, and that, there's something to be said for that, and a guy that can deliver plays similar to like a Will Fuller type player that he's not even being drafted in most fantasy leagues. So I, I like John Ross as a deep sleeper. Hey, but – did you see the news? I don't know if this, this came out with December 5th, 2019, that John Ross reveals the severity of his latest injury. 
No, I did not see anything on him pop up. It's it's almost like news blurbs don't even want to put that stuff out there because it's like, oh, he's not relevant. But yeah, he did pop up on the fantasy radar at the beginning of last year when he was healthy. Yeah, he was getting a lot of targets too. Mm-hmm. It just seems like he's always having that that nagging injury, man, yeah. that comes up every year, man. But if he can sure. if he can stay healthy, I can definitely see him being a a player that could come in and produce for your fantasy team and outplay that ADP. Yeah. So I love cheap guys like that, and you say you can get them off free agency. So yep. it's, it's worth just pick up a shot, and he's going to be on the field, like you said. And, and the, yeah. the best part about someone like that is that you, you draft them with like your final pick in the draft or whatever, mm. and you put them on your bench, and you're going to find out right away if John Ross is a starter. You, I mean, we'll know the snap counts uh, in week one, how many snaps he was on the field, how many targets he got. And let's pretend for a moment that John Ross is out there. He gets six targets in week one. He catches three of them for 60 yards and a touchdown. People are going to pick him up off waivers where it's like if he's if he's not out there, if, if I'm wrong and T. Higgins is out there playing ahead of him, then you drop him. It's that simple. It's, it's easy because like those are the guys you just take a shot on that you want to find out right away. It's the guys that you're like that you're waiting to get their opportunity. You know, that they're like the wide receiver four, wide receiver five on the depth chart and you're waiting. That's valuable roster space, especially at the beginning of the year, because uh, in weeks one and two, that's when we get the most new information where we're going to find mm-hmm. out those snap counts, who's on the field. And that's when you have to drop guys. So you need guys like that on your roster. Definitely. A quick question. Just this wasn't even planned. Quick question. <clears throat> in the season, in the redraft season, how soon do you blow your team up? Like after what week of losing do you be like after 0-1, 0-2, or 0-3, do you blow your team up? I don't blow it up even after 0-3 sometimes, just depending. I'll look at it. I I I actually have no issue looking at my team and being very objective about it. Uh, I've actually in my home league, I remember there was one year, I think I started, it was like one in five in my home league. And I, and I looked at my team. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. Right. And <laughs> I, I was making trades nonstop. And I, I, I finessed my roster to the point where I said, I don't even know what else I could do. And I remember telling my wife, I think I need to make some more trades. And she's like, I don't know why you keep messing with what you have. Like your team is the best. and I think everybody knows it. And like I legitimately from that point on, I don't think I lost a, another game for the rest of the year and I ended up winning the, ch- the championship that year. So it's just giving your team an honest evaluation and mm-hmm. saying, did I miss in this player? Were there certain circumstances that led to him struggling at the beginning of the year? Um, there's a lot of things that go into it. And, and one of the things that I don't think a lot of people put that they don't think about is, is early se- season schedule. We can't strength of schedule is is terrible in a lot of ways, uh, but at the same time, we know that if we see a team like the Patriots in the schedule, their defense is always top notch. You know, you see the Ravens in the schedule; that's a brutal defense. So if you have a team that's going to go up against them, you might get off to a slow start, and it could be a reason that you target those players after the first couple of weeks. You know, Saquon Barkley has a brutal, uh, I think, three weeks to start the schedule. Um, and he's someone that it's almost like I would I might choose someone like Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara over him uh, with that number two pick just because of how bad he's going to start the season. And you can kind of trade for him after those first two or three weeks because his stock should be lower than the RB two price you're paying. Exactly. Exactly. I, I just I, do. You, do you get the uh, same type of jokes from your league, your home league mates? Since you know you're in the fantasy business and stuff, so when you start off slow, do you get like the jokes that we get? Hundred oh, <laughs> percent, dude. It's, dude, you do this for a living, bro. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, like you know, it, but then it, it got to the point where they realized that I won it more. I won the championship more often than I didn't. So then they started mm-hmm. coming to me for advice, and then I, for for the you know first few years, it was more like, oh wait, is this in the league I'm playing in you? And then I just stopped. I stopped altogether. I just said, you know what? If they ask me a question, I'll answer it because at one point I said, I have to go. I, I legitimately would hold back articles. I would be like, I don't want to post this article <laughs> until I trade for this guy because someone's going to, they're, they're not going to want to trade with me. 
So I would do that. And then I was like, what the hell am I doing? Because if I want to do this for a living, you know, I, I basically have to become an analyst first and a player second. Exactly. So I, I stopped doing, I basically just, I, I answered all their questions. I posted articles as soon as I was done writing them. And obviously trades stopped happening with me. There was a guy actually <laughs> in, in one of my leagues that he, uh, he named his team. Don't trade with Mike T. Uh, <laughs> and he did that because I, he asked me to join this other league and he just basically wanted to tell people don't trade with him. And I, I did get a few trades done before they realized why they shouldn't. But um, yeah, I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> Fantasy, like actual redraft leagues and stuff like that for me are, they're just fun. It's, it's a way of staying in touch with friends throughout the season. Uh, the, the competition, it's still there in a way, but at the same time, I'm just so much more focused on helping my listeners and readers, you know, win their fantasy championships. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's get into why we're here. The episode, the second year breakouts, we all know wide receivers tend to break out in that year number two. So we all picked a, um, a wide receiver that we like going into year number two. And, uh, we just well, not, all, not all wide receivers. Not all um, wide receivers, yeah. well. Javon yeah, had picked, to be the eyeball. I switched up. Yeah, I like to be the eyeball. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, second year players, regardless, that, uh, that we think are going to break out this year. Uh, really glad, let's, since you are the guest, we'll go ahead and let you start. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, me, for, it's DK Metcalf for me, and he was someone that I was incredibly high on uh, before the combine. And then I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when people were telling me that DK Metcalf sucked because his three cone drill. That, that, was, okay. that, that, was, that, that was a funny time. Um, but, you know, it, so many people overreacted to that where it's like, you know, this kid's a crazy athlete. He was considered raw. And I knew that. But once he was drafted by the Seahawks, you had to love it. Right. Because Russell Wilson is one of those quarterbacks who year over year, he's completing 65 percent of his passes, sometimes over 70 percent of his passes to his wide receivers. Um, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think he's actually underrated. If you were to see him throw the ball 600 times, he'd be putting up those Patrick Mahomes type numbers. Like Russell Wilson is that good. Um, but so to see him tied to that, knowing that Tyler Lockett is not. Tyler Lockett's not a possession receiver. You know, he's a he's he's playing the slot. He's playing that Baldwin role that he used to have, and he's going to score touchdowns. He could break those big plays, but he's not a guy that you want to give 130 targets per year to. Metcalf, what people are forgetting about him, not only was he good in 2019, but he was a guy that was considered, one, raw. Like, his route tree was very limited, and you kind of saw that with the way that Seattle uh, started deploying him when the season started. He was only on one side of the formation. He only ran a couple routes. Part of that was also due to the fact that he had a knee scope literally in preseason. So uh -huh. he had to play the season opener. People didn't think he was going to play because of that knee scope. knee scope. So there were a lot of limitations probably to his game at that point. He hadn't had much field time with Russell Wilson. And you saw as the year went on, he was actually a better fantasy wide receiver than Tyler Lockett. Now Lockett himself dealt with injuries over the second half of the season. But by the time they got to the playoffs... DK Metcalf set the record uh, for receiving yards for a rookie wide receiver uh, in, in the NFL. Like that's just something that, you know, guys don't do very often. And I think you're only going to see him get better as he rounds out that, you know, his, his entire route tree develops more chemistry with Russell Wilson. Um, he legitimately has a top five fantasy football ceiling. He can finish as a top five <clears throat> wide receiver. Exactly. Like the fact that, like you say, he was considered raw coming out and for him to like post those type of numbers, man, like his ceiling is enormous, man. Definitely agree with that, man. I was one of the believers that only thought BK could run straight. <laughs> I was on that train too. I was just trying to tell him, man. Body. I tried to tell him. He cannot turn, he cannot twist, but he looked good so with Russell Wilson breaking the pocket and just looking at oh, yeah. him going deep. 
that. I didn't. I did not think about that matchup. This Russell Wilson breaking a pocket in a muster like that in the open field. What that would do. Well, that's, uh, I like I think to, that's one of those things. That's one of those things that I think people undervalue, especially in like dynasty formats. They undervalue where a wide receiver lands, right? Like if 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 DK Metcalf had landed, let's say, with the Bears, do I think that he would have had the success that he did in year one? Absolutely not. Matt Nagy wouldn't know how to use him. That's first off, um, <laughs> and then second, obviously, of Trubisky throwing the ball. So the fact that he landed there is is a big, huge plus for his production, and that's one of the reasons that it was like you knew that he could have been that boomer bust project. And and if he didn't pan out right away, there's some coaches that give up on a player. You know, they they if they don't make their way up the depth chart in year one, year two is like the end all be all because if you don't make it up the depth chart in the first two years, you're essentially left for dead. Yeah. Um, so DK. I was I was disappointed that he fell as far as he did in the NFL draft. I, I, him and A.J. Brown were my top two wide receivers. I said they were 1A, 1B. I think that you could flip-flop. I felt like A.J. Brown was the safer play, reminded me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster, and that DK was like that upside play. That guy, if you're looking for the next potential Calvin Johnson, he's it. Yeah. Who you got, Carlos? Um, I'm going to go with a receiver out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike kind of talked to talked about him earlier. I'm glad he didn't go deeper because this is my guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, Deont- yeah, Deontay Johnson out of the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So last year as a rookie, he led the team in targets, receptions, touchdowns, red zone targets, and route run. Um, he also led all rookies um, in catches with 59. Um, he was top 15 in yards at the contact per reception, tied for first in avoided tackles at the reception. And this stat um, I actually got from Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points, the great Scott Barrett. PFF charted him open on 84% of his targets, second best behind Michael Thomas, but only 44% of those um, targets were catchable. So the fact that he put up all these numbers uh, with two backup quarterbacks um, is like great news for him going forward. Um, he's, you know, he's expected to get Big Ben back. And also um, he um, was reported that he was uh, playing with a sports hernia last year. So he's going to be healthy this year. He's going to have Big Ben back and he's going super late in drafts. So he's going at 10.06 right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator and half PPR drafts um, around guys like Sammy Watkins, Robbie Anderson, John Brown, um, Sterling Shepard. And I personally, I would rather have Deontay Johnson over any of those guys, man, because for what he had to work with last year and for him to still produce, man, I just believe that the sky's the limit for a guy like Deontay Johnson. Hmm? What do you guys think about that? How do you feel that – how do you feel uh, Juju coming back with uh, – I think Juju has like a, a reemergence of sort this year. How do you feel that affects uh, Deontay? Well – I love Juju. Uh, I have him up in my top 10 wide receivers. Uh, his ADP right now is wide receiver 17, which is just stupid. Uh, I think yeah. people forgot that they were drafting him as a top five wide receiver last year. Some people took him as the number one wide receiver. I wasn't doing that. Uh, but at the same time, they've already said they're moving him back to the slot. That's happening in, in 2020. And that's big for Juju's production because he's going to be facing those nickel cornerbacks, the guys that come on the field only when, you know, they have, uh, when they go in their nickel uh, defense. Mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson is going to be facing some of the top tier cornerbacks because I think you're going to see a lot of James Washington and Chase Claypool kind of, I think those guys are battling for the wide receiver three spot in this, in this lineup. I, some people have talked about James Washington being undervalued. I don't think they draft Chase Claypool if they were really happy with him. I think that they're just tired of, you know, what they're seeing in practice, not translating to games. We've heard Ben Roethlisberger talk about Deontay Johnson already this offseason. He said that he's been calling him. He's been talking to him. That's always a good thing, right? Because Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. you kind of want to be on his good side in order to get those targets. <laughs> like that, that's Definitely. another underestimated portion of everything. It's like 
get along with your quarterback. Like I know he might be a prima donna, but get along with him because you want those targets. Mm. I projected Deontay Johnson for 105 targets this year, and I can see that easily going up. Um, and I have him ranked as my wide receiver 36 right now. So he, I'm definitely a lot higher than uh, ADP is on him, higher than ECR. Um, and again, Juju's higher too because this this offense is going to throw the ball more than 100 times than they did last year uh, with much better quarterback play. So I love Deontay Johnson. Definitely. And I actually have uh, Deontay Johnson ranked as the same exact spot right now. So me and Tags are in agreement right there, man. Gotta be doing something right. Yes, sir. Who you got, Javon? Well, as always, I'm one of those guys that go into the clothing store and I walk directly to Clarence Rack and then I move out to the rest of the stores. So I love the late picks that you can get for cheap. And that guy's Gardner Minshew. In 2019, Gardner Minshew started 12 games and passed for 2,000 and roughly 800 yards, which is 237 yards per game with 18 touchdowns, four interceptions. And let's not mention the 330 rushing yards because those are important when talking quarterbacks. If we include week one where he came in and an injury for foes, Minshew was quarterback 12 through weeks one and nine and quarterback 14 through weeks 13 and 17. (laughs) Overall, he finished the season as quarterback 20 with 3,271 yards, 60.6 completion rate percentage with 21 TDs and six interceptions with 21 TDs and six interceptions, and he rushed for 344 yards. And not to mention he had the third highest completion rate for throws over 20 yards or more downfield at 49%. Wondering who was before him? Garoppolo was 61, Mahomes at 51, and behind him was Breeze with 48. And what if I also told you Minshew rookie season compares up to Russell Wilson, um, Robert Griffin III, and Dak Prescott? Well, believe it, these four ballers are the only rookies to pass for over 3,000 yards in a season with at least 60% completion percent rate and less than 10 interceptions and 280 rushing yards. So that put him in some good company. And then in 2019, Mitchell was one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best rookie quarterback of last year. And going into year two with a solid cast of DJ Shark, D.D. Westbrook, Chris Cuntley, Leonard Fournette, Pass catching back Chris Thompson. They also picked up Tyler Eifert and the rookie LaVisca Chanel. And not to mention, they didn't draft a rookie quarterback or bring in a vet to compete with him. So this is his job. And they brought in Drake Jay Gruden, who's a great offensive coordinator who has multiple offenses that's finished top 10 in passing attempts in a year. And he had led the likes of Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins to multiple top 10 fantasy seasons which are their best seasons up to date. On top of the that, that, the Jacks are in rebuild mode, and they should be in negative game script throughout the year, leading Minshew to tossing that piss, getting around more often. This organization is giving him the keys for at least this year to see what he can do. Therefore, you could get Minshew to create some magic with improvement and efficiency and holding on to the ball because he fumbled 13 times, mm-hmm. and he could become a household name or a mustache. Get this guy and redraft late, and you will be happy with the value so much that you're going to grow a mustache like his. In Dynasty, I would kind of be cautious because the Jazz could tank and be in the runners for a top rookie quarterback such as Trevor Lawrence. So in Dynasty, I might go Drew Luck before Minshew. But um, in redraft, it's all fair game. Getting him that late, he should outplay his ADP, especially with the likes of Jay Gruden. 
I like it, man. I like mm-hmm. it. I, I don't have, know. I'm, yeah. I'm actually looking for Garner Minshew in like super flexes, like mm-hmm. super flex leagues to be like that quarterback two, like, you know, to uh, stream that quarterback two position. I think Garner Minshew and having like a like a solid like a solid QB one like Matt Ryan or something, not to be a homer or nothing like that. But I think that like that's a good uh, one two combo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Like Minshew is actually I'm actually doing an article that's going to be do, coming out like Monday, and it's 20 players who are going to move up draft boards as we get closer to draft season. And Gardner Minshew, his ADP right now is QB 28, um, which is just stupid uh, because again he's like the perfect QB two target in two quarterback leagues because he's a guy that has no threat to lose the job. Jake Lutton is the backup there. Uh, there's a lot to like about Minshew, and here's a stat that I threw in that article. Uh, the average number of, of rushing yards per rushing touchdown for a quarterback in 2019 overall, this is includes non-mobile quarterbacks, none of them, right? Uh, 96 yards is how many rushing yards the quarterbacks averaged before they scored a rushing touchdown. He finished with those 344 yards that Javar talked about, and uh, he he had zero touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. So basically all the numbers that he posted and the fact that he was, you know, in the top 10 quarterbacks, and that was a top 15 quarterback towards the end of the year. None of that includes a rushing touchdown. So if you add in a rushing touchdown or two in there, all of a sudden you're going to see him move up three or four spots. So uh, as QB 19 last year, uh, despite starting just 12 games all year long. Yeah. I'm in on Minshew. I, I think him and Teddy Bridgewater are guys as uh, QB twos that if you're in a two quarterback league, super flex leagues, if you get them as your QB two, you should be more than happy because those guys have zero chance to lose a starting job. Exactly. And That's a great point. Nice. That's a great point about the Russian touchdowns. Cause um, so that means we should expect some positive re- regression in that department. So. And I think it's, it's good to note that uh, when Nick Foles came in, like the middle of the season, I think it messed up his mojo. You know what I mean? So when he came back after after Nick Foles was starting, I think it was he was just like, ah, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm gonna be here next year. So he was, I don't, I think like it just messed up the whole mustache uh, mojo that you brought <laughs> Definitely, man. Um, speaking of somebody that's shooting up the charts, I think um, Cole Harmon. That's my uh, second year breakout. Uh, he's attached to one the best quarterback in the world in the universe. I think of all time, really. <laughs> Um, and he was attached to the NFL's heaviest pass offense last year, um, but he only got 36 targets. And so I think we saw him at his absolute floor. He got 36 targets, 538 yards with six touchdowns. Um, I think when I looked at the numbers, I think he, you can project his career toward like a Tyreek Hill uh, career. Uh, his Tyreek Hill first year, he had 593 yards, also with uh, six touchdowns. His rushing, he had three rushing touchdowns that year, so it made his numbers, like, pop, and he finished, like, top 25 that year. But Miko didn't have any rushing touchdowns. But if they was – they should count, like, um, like kickoffs into, like, somehow, like, the player somehow. The scoring? Yeah. You could do that. It's, it's, some leagues that it's some leagues, yeah. It's some leagues yeah, you can do that. do that. I'm not you a fan. You make but... it, like, a standard, though. Yeah. But one thing I don't. But one thing I wish that didn't happen was Demarcus Robinson. He signed back. Uh, um, I wish that didn't happen. I was hoping that he didn't. But I feel like uh, Nicole draft. Uh, his draft stock and his talent is just going to outplay uh, Demarcus Robinson. He could very well not even be there. He could very well like just be a training camp body for all we know. Um, I think Nicole is as versatile as me uh, as Tyreek Hill is. He plays forty eight percent of his snaps in the slot. Another thing I like looking at his um, stats is that his red zone dependability. Um, he had 10 targets in the red zone, caught seven of them for three touchdowns. So clearly Patrick Mahomes can trust him down there. Um, not mentioning that he caught 71% of his deep balls. That's deep balls, 20 plus yards or more. 
converting three of those into touchdowns. And at the end of the day, I think we know that speed kills in the NFL. And um, all he's missing is the volume. And I think, like I said before, like 36 targets in that offense is clearly like the floor. And he's going around the back of the eighth round. I think he's one of those. Not every week. I wouldn't say I'm not that confident in him just now, but I think you're going to get some some great flex weeks out of him. And so that's what I got going for it. Well, let's, I think it's uh, only a matter of time before the volume catches up to the to the talent. Really, that's that's what it boils down to. I, I like it. Like just leading up, like I'll be paying attention more so leading up to the season. As uh, you know, I start looking at what the beat writers are saying and listening to what the coaches are saying. But it's just Sammy Watkins coming back, and then the market, then the Marcus Robinson coming. Notice I didn't mention Sammy Watkins. Notice I didn't mention that name. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, it's a lot of mouths to feed out there. Um, He's attached to the number one offense. It's not like a regular offense. Like, you can be Mm -hmm. the – What's his current ADP? We have that. He's going in the eighth round. I want to say like 806. Wide receiver 47 right now. Yeah. So he's going late. But, I mean, it's just – like like Javar said, when we start to see like the depth charts come out, but um, right now it's just a lot of people in front of them. You got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Demarcus Robinson currently ahead of them. And then you got Clyde Eversolaire who's going to get, you know, some of that target share too. So there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed in there, man. But, you know, if the talent does rise to the top, man, and he does get more volume, then I could definitely see him outplaying that ADP. Right. I can definitely I, see him. I have no team. issue with you. You you want to get him on your fantasy teams because he's not a guy that you have to draft as a starter. And you're kind of he's one of those guys that you're going to find out if he's getting those snaps right away. Um, he scored 12 fewer half PPR points, just 12 uh, points on Sammy Watkins last year on 49 less targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. It's it's very Tyreek Hill esque <laughs> uh, in terms of his efficiency. He uh, among wide receivers over the last 10 years. Among uh, all the wide receivers who have seen at least 30 targets, Hardman's 13.1 yards per target ranks as the third highest among all Ooh. wide receivers. Um, it, it, that's ridiculous. His, uh, he averaged 2.77 PPR points per target, which ranks as the fourth best mark over the last 10 years. Like, it's historical numbers. Now, granted, there were a lot of big plays, and that's, that's what you get out of that Chiefs offense. That's what you get out of a speedster like Michael Hardman. My concern with him and the reason that I, I don't know if I'm buying in at the, at the cost because I'd rather have someone like Deontay Johnson because I don't know if that volume comes. Like, even if you go back to his college years, he never got the volume there. And despite him being super efficient last year, they continually played Sammy Watkins over him. They, they continually put Demarcus Robinson on the field, even during the playoffs when that guy was legitimately dropping every ball in sight. Like, there was one game where I felt bad for the dude. Like, he legit couldn't catch a ball. And... I'm like, why isn't Hardman getting more of a run? And I, I really don't understand it. Uh, he's one of those guys that I want to like, and I do understand the upside because if something happened, if, if Sammy Watkins were to miss time, that opens up 90 targets for the season. Like, that's a lot. Uh, and Demarcus Robinson sure as hell ain't getting them. So uh, I, I like Hardman. I just It just depends on where he falls in the drafts. But if you want someone like with crazy upside, like top 24 upside in those later rounds, he does come with it. He really does. I, I I got him started at around like seventy plus targets right now. I think like seventy three last time I checked. Let me. Check I feel like because what Demarcus Robinson had fifty, he had fifty six when I checked, something around there. And I feel like he's not going to get those same fifty six this year. No, I have Hardman for I haven't projected for sixty five targets and yeah. six carries. So you're looking at like seventy one opportunities. Hmm. They're about the same. I got a yeah. more. One thing. Uh, Tags, when you start talking about a player giving stats and that and all that, you you 
you just so persu- so persuasive. You can sell salt to a slug, man. <laughs> I appreciate That's why that. he's a legend. <laughs> and so when it happens, when Miko Harmon end up in the top 25, I just want y'all to know y'all heard it here first that I, I said it was going to happen. Yes. All right. So one thing I didn't I, I I have learned over the you know over the course of my fantasy career, man, is like we have to like separate what we believe is the like you know what coaches will do with what they're going to actually do, man. Just because we believe that you know Miko should deserve more targets doesn't mean he's actually going to get them, man. So that's why I'm kind of lower on him than um, Gabe is. But like I said, I, I'm agreement in his you know ceiling. Like he does have that top twenty four ceiling if he were to get that buying. We just don't know yet. Yeah, it's like Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper deserves 140 targets a year, but he doesn't get them. Exactly. Amari's exactly. my dude. True. So leading uh, up to yeah, preseason, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be reading like what the beat writers are saying about Kansas City offense if McCose is getting more work. And if I read he's getting more work and they're looking to put him with the ones and I, I read positive stuff, I'm definitely buying in. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of I was kind of uh, disappointed when they did sign Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson back because oh, I think cool. earlier in the offseason we we I spoke up Miko Harmon as one of my sleepers, but it's if just it too crowded, broke, man. Yep. If it's it ain't broke, crowded. don't fix it. That was <laughs> looking like they just want a Super Bowl. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Anybody got any other darts? Second year players out there? Just any darts? Just any names? Right quick. Uh, I, think, um, I'm a, I think a lot I'm, of people are sleeping on Nikhil uh, Nikhil Harry too. Yeah, he's a good one. Um, too early. That's the first one that I don't agree with. I don't like Nikhil Harry. I didn't like him out of college, though, to be fair. Like, I really didn't understand what people saw as him as the wide receiver one. Like, if you can't get separation in college, you're not going to get it in the NFL. And he can't yeah. get, he couldn't get separation in college. And he reportedly this offseason was working on his route running and, and getting separation. But I don't think that's something that you necessarily – you can get better as a route runner, but I believe you're blessed or you're not in, in terms of, like, mm-hmm. actual route running. Like, Calvin Ridley, blessed. All right? Jerry uh-huh. Judy is like – Jerry Judy can separate. I don't care. Like, oh, what, if you put super glue on him, he's going he's to separate from it. But Nikhil Harry is one of those guys that you have to basically – you need him to get those 50-50 balls. You need him to get the ball like a quarterback that's willing to throw it to him in tight spots. And I don't know if Stidham's going to do that because he doesn't want to lose the job. And the, the, under Belichick, you can't turn the ball over. I don't care if it's a fumble. I don't care if it's an interception. You cannot turn the ball over. So I, I see, you know, obviously Julian Edelman getting a ton of those targets. Um, I don't. I just don't know what to expect from that Patriots offense this year, you know. Uh, Stidham was a guy I, I think was fine coming out of college. I, I don't mind Stidham, actually. I think he could be fine and he could do exactly what they want him to do. But Harry was a guy that, I just don't know if I want to be attached to that offense in that first year without Brady and uh, with, with Stidham there or Hoyer, whoever the quarterback is going to be. Um, I just – I don't like Harry. I think that's what it comes down to is that I don't, I don't know if I see him getting the targets needed so, to. And all you're not buying anybody like on New England team like in redraft next year, you'll try to stay away unless they fall. Of course, if they fall yeah. in ADP, of course. But I think Damian Harris is a sleeper. Um, yeah. no, nobody talks about him. They, they kind of forgot about him, but the Patriots drafted him in the third round last year. And uh, Sony Michelle, now one of those guys is going to work out. And like you're going to have like a volume guy that you're going to be able to plop in your lineup as a, as a flex, as an RB2 if you need to. Um, but Sony Michelle was wildly inefficient last year. Part of that could be attributed to Brady. Um, you know, taking a step back in his career, no pass catchers in the offense, losing James Devlin as his fullback. A lot of reasons, right? That offensive line, they lost a few pieces last year. But if he if he's inefficient once again, I don't think they could ride with him for much longer. And Damian Harris, he's a guy that really like during the scouting process with him, I said that he's gonna make a coach very happy. And I and I I mean that because he's gonna get what's blocked. He runs downhill, he doesn't dance, he doesn't fumble the ball. Uh he's just a very no-nonsense runner. And I thought Bill Belichick would like someone like that. And uh 
the reason he didn't get much playing time last year is because he doesn't play special teams, which is, it's rare to see a Patriots draft a player that doesn't play special teams in the third round, but they did. So they clearly have plans for him. Uh, it's just a matter of this team moving on from passing the ball 38, 40 times per game with Brady to more of like a, a 32 pass attempt, 34 pass attempt per game, more rushing attempts. And uh, if Damian Harris gets a shot, I believe he's going to perform better than Sonny Michelle. Yeah. I've been scooping Damian Harris up in like the late rounds of all my like startups this offseason. Oh yeah. Dynasty is people, he's dirt cheap, man. You can get yeah. like a fourth round pick right now. He was actually dropped in one of our leagues last year. And uh, so I'm just like, wow, like he didn't give him a chance yet, but yep. yeah, I definitely scooped him up. I definitely scooped them up. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so before we let you go, Mike, um, fantasy, I know I got a fantasy trivia question. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. I got, a, I got it. I got, <laughs> I got a fantasy trivia question for everybody. All right. So, Mike Williams in 2018 caught 10 touchdowns despite having only 43 passes for 664 yards. Mm-hmm. Who are the only other three active players who had seasons with at least 10 touchdowns? catching while they were with e- hold on who had at least 10 touchdown catches while finishing with even fewer yards fewer yards than how many fewer yards than 664 oh wow um, I don't know. 10 touchdowns i'll give you a hint to narrow it down that wow that's gonna be like too easy yeah probably i will go 10 touchdowns did Devonte adams do that no he didn't do that once did he no. Yeah, would, he probably had more yards. Yeah, I think he did. There was one year where he definitely had a lot of touchdowns. And I was it? His yards wasn't there because he uh, Devonte Adams didn't like top a thousand yards. I think in two of those seasons where he scored a lot of touchdowns, but maybe not under six sixty four. Um, mm. Is he a journeyman? It's three players. It's three different players. Oh wow, I, I don't know any of them. That um, scored ten plus touchdowns. Wow. It wasn't Moncrief, was it? <laughs> No, I, I remember one of the years that he, he had a lot of yeah. I know. I remember one of them years he had a lot of touchdowns, but he was just like no uh, yard. You were with the Colts, right? I think. Uh, yeah, Colts or the Jaguars? Yeah, it was the Colts when Andrew Luck the was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus, this is tough, man. Uh, is Ten tough. touchdowns. I mean, Des Bryant doesn't play anymore. Jordy Nelson had probably a couple seasons in there, um, but that are active. still active. I had to make it a hard one for you. I knew you would get. That is hard, man. Um, jeez. All right, I'll narrow it down. I'm it stumped. Down. Just yeah. for time, just for time purposes. The t- the the position is tight ends. Oh, I was thinking oh, wide receivers for whatever reason. Ebron, Ebron's one. Ron. Oh, he not. Playing. No, no, Ebron is not. Delaney, Delaney Walker. Oh, he's no. not playing anymore. He wasn't one. Um, uh, no, Gronk was always over that when he played. Um, Gronk is right. Gronk is one. Just for he time is purposes. one. I thought, I thought whenever he scored the double-digit touchdowns, he was uh, he, he definitely went over our yardage. In 2010, um, he had 10 touchdowns and 546 yards. Can you give us the years of the, the that they happened? All right. The last two years is 2017 and 2015. Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Graham in 2017 Ooh. were 520 yards. And then in 2015, last, you said? Mm-hmm. Oh, cause I, no, it's not – definitely not Jared Cook because he never scored anything more than like five touchdowns. Um until last season, uh, 2015. You said tight. Their tight is a tight end in 2015. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Eifert. Yeah. Yes. A, yeah. I was gonna say wow. that's a good one. Yes. Nice. Good call. 615 yards with 13. That was his only his awesome. only good year. <laughs> <laughs> only year he stayed healthy. Yeah, much. that's right. Yep. Uh, man. 
That was good trivia, man. That was really good. Yeah, you know, me stumped for a minute. I was thinking receivers at I, first. That's exactly so what I was thinking. I'm like, I, said, I wanted to narrow it down to like a position so y'all wouldn't be like scrambling. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to look. Now I want to look up Devonte Adams because I, I I thought I was close on that in terms of what he uh. Oh, let's see. He had 12 touchdowns, 997 yards, 10 touchdowns, 885 yards. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. 885 was the lowest he got with double digit touchdowns. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, so yeah, you want to um so yeah, before we let you go Mike, um like uh you know, we're amateur analysts, man, we're still making a name for ourselves, man. So is there's one piece of advice that you would give anybody that's trying to make a name for themselves, man? What what would that be? Well, first, and I know this is like promoting, but it it really we're doing it because we get a lot of these questions, but uh Game Changers is a new podcast that Dan Harris is hosting. Um he's interviewing everybody in the industry talking about their journey through it and you you're going to hear that everybody's journey is different, but my one piece of advice that I tell everybody about is uh, never turn down opportunity. Uh, and I say that because, you know, we've invited people on our podcast before and they might say they're busy with work and can you work around my schedule? And I, I didn't operate like that. And I think the people that make it are the ones that literally go out there and say, I'm willing to make, do whatever it takes to work. You know, if I had to take, if I had to do a podcast on my break at work, lunch, if I had to take a personal day at work, I, w- I would leave, uh, like I would leg- legitimately take a vacation day uh, in order to do like the CBS podcast or something like that. Uh, so whenever I was asked, um, I would always say yes. And it, Fantasy Pros, the reason they hired me, is, one of the reasons is they had me on the podcast a few times uh, before they hired me full time. They had said the reason that they liked me so much that separated me from the other guys that were really good. Like there's a lot of guys in this industry that are really good at what they do, but they said, I was always willing to do whatever it took. Like if they were like, Hey, we have a last minute podcast. Can you do it at 11 o'clock? Yeah, I'll I'll make it work. I never asked them to reschedule. I, I, I basically did whatever I had to do uh, to get on as many podcasts, to write as many articles as I could make yourself available because then you become a virus, right? You, you spread yourself on like, I'm, I'm on the podcast with you three guys right now. For example, like if it, this is someone else, they're spreading themselves to you three, your audience, and then your audience can spread it onto someone else. You want a different podcast. It's a completely different audience and you just get out there, right? And the idea is to spread yourself and you have to share things that, you know, uh, are interesting. Something that grips people that they, a statistic, anything that nobody else has shown. Like, so, like, you just want them to walk away and tell their friend, hey, I heard in this podcast, what was his name? Oh, Mike Tagliere. He said this, this, this stat about this. And it could just be something that triggers a, a follow on Twitter, anything. I used to um, get prepared for every single podcast that I did in terms of like having notes down so that I could give those stats, so that I could do that. And my goal was always to, I want to be able to do this well enough to, to where I don't even have to prepare for shows. Like, And I actually don't anymore. I don't look at show sheets anymore because... I would rather come off the cuff in terms of like, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I study this stuff all day. I know it. I just have to talk about football because if I, if I put it on a sheet, I sound scripted. So mm-hmm. my best advice would be in terms of like guesting or doing things like that, have a few points that you want to hit on those players. Um, don't be afraid to look at a show sheet. I'm not saying that uh, because obviously a lot of people aren't able to do this full time like myself, but if you want to get there, spread yourself like a virus, like say yes to every opportunity and just don't let it pass you up because somebody else might take it. And then get that full time job that you want. Exactly. Great advice right there, man. Great advice, man. Once again, Mike, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence, man, and talking fantasy football, man. This is like, I'm sure I could speak for all of us when I say this is like a dream for us, man. Like, we we always reference you on our podcast, man. We always, in debates, we always reference you, man. Like, (laughs) 
So this is the Mike say. What did Mike say? Yeah. <laughs> well, Tag said that Kyler Murray was going. <laughs> oh man, no, I and I appreciate that, guys. I really do. Um, I know that there's a lot of guys out there that you can follow, that you could trust, and all those things. So I, I, I never take those compliments lightly. I appreciate them, and I want to keep doing that. You know, I, I want. Yeah. I definitely want. I don't. I don't ever want this to be taken away from me. And it's one of those things that when you have it it's either you, you coast on it or you keep pushing because you know that there's another guy like me out there, like you guys yeah. that, are, that are trying to take that, to, like, cause there's only so many jobs available. Right. Yeah. So always be willing to outwork that next guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, that Jordan mentality, man. Yep. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for joining the session, man. No, thanks for having All me right, on guys. Man. Have a good one. Man. man. Thanks again for the great, the goat Mike tags for coming on. I mean, Words can't describe it, man. That's like really one of my uh, who I look up to in this fantasy world. So surreal, bro. So surreal, right. man. Law of attraction is real to anybody that's listening to this, man. We went from like getting advice from Mike Taglier to to talking fantasy football with him, man. So thanks. Definitely, it's it was an honor, Mike. Thanks again, and um, you know, Southside, baby. Can't wait to get this episode out to you guys. Join the session. How join the session. Let's go. Session, baby. Thank y'all for listening, man. Drop the outro. Peace. Peace. Yo.